0: Take your Bibles. Turn with me, please, to the book of Genesis. I know it will be hard to find, but if you turn to the book of Genesis for just a little while tonight. And uh, I'm just going to speak to you tonight from my heart. Uh, I know many of you are having... Not regrets. But many of you are having questions concerning our new building program. Uh, and I realize that many of you are having questions about the avenue by which we're pursuing uh, and the way that we're going. And I'm well aware of that. I do respect with the utmost your opinion, your ideas, because you're a member of this church, and I, I respect that very much. And I know there's a philosophy that, that we should never go into debt. If that be true, then we should never have a CD, because somebody's borrowing money from us. If we're going to be consistent, we need to be consistent on both ends. Or an IRA, or investment in any kind of situation, there's debt involved. Maybe not your debt, but debt. I don't know if that makes good sense to you or not, but it does to me. Uh, I probably need an amen right now because I said I respect your. Your philosophy, your ideas. I'm not, I'm not shutting holes in that. Okay? But I want to share something with you. I've been, I've been affiliated with business all my life. Had a business before I got in God's business. I have no background in traditional Baptist church organization. I was just a sinner saved with grace, saved out of the world, saved as a businessman. And thank God I never joined a missionary Baptist church and read the book called Baptist Way. If you'd like to read it, I got my office. (laughs) A lot of folk got a lot of philosophies about how to do and what to do in a Baptist church that they did not find in the Bible. Okay? So of necessity, when we started this church, I started it and organized it and operated it as a business. Other than on Sunday and Wednesday, this is the biggest business in this town and the most important business in this town. Would you, would you say amen to that? Amen. Now, a lot of folk accuse Mr. Obama of never running a business and he's president. A lot of folks who shoot holes in my business philosophies has never had a business, never started a business, never had a payroll, and never knew anything about a credit line at the bank. Now, if you don't know anything about those things, you need to pray for me and quit criticizing me. Quit throwing rocks at our president if you never run a business. Are we having fun yet? And so it might be possible that we started looking at an indebtedness at which we're talking about. There might be some folks getting kind of shaky. Call wet feet. <laughs> what are we going to do? And let me help you please. I don't blame you if you don't invest. I don't, I, that don't bother me at all. It just don't talk to other folks about not investing because you don't have a corner on the truth. I respect your desire to invest in other areas because if you don't invest in this, you will invest in something before you die. And I will respect what you're investing in. And so it might be possible that some of our folks might be looking at this humongous debt and saying, what if? What if we can't pay it? What if somebody gets mad? Let me help you. As long as I'm preaching, somebody will get mad. And what if somebody leaves? Well, we'll go get somebody else. You got that. I want you to get this. And so I I don't want anybody to get mad at anybody if they do, if they don't, if they are or if they are not totally on board with what we're doing. Because we're going to do it whether you're on board or not. Or you do understand that. And you say, well, preacher, I'm afraid you've made a mistake. It will not be the first. And it will not be the last. But nobody's ever accused me of making the biggest mistake of all and that of doing nothing. Not one person has ever been lied to, defrauded, or lost A single penny as a result of this church. Not one. Not a single one. But instead, most of the time, if somebody does something for our church and does a good job and does it on time, I add 10 to 20% to their invoice and pay them more than what they ask. Our God is not broke. Our God is not standing on a street corner with a cup, saying "Nishai, nishai, nishai." You say, "What does that mean?" I have no idea. I saw it on the Discovery Channel recently. It's Hebrew for "alms for the poor." And so I don't. I want to kind of help you a little bit tonight, please. Uh. I want you to look at one question in Genesis. And I do respect what you're doing and and, and your philosophy. I do that. And my wife and I are going to invest everything we have in this church, including our life. I am not buying church bonds for the return in this world. I am investing my life and my money in eternal returns. Now you can buck that all you want. Find this verse in your Bible, please, one of these days and mark it. The Lord giveth wealth and addeth no sorrow to it. Amen. That's right. Amen. You name me a millionaire that died happy. Name me somebody who worked their entire life getting money and getting wealth and then enjoyed it. My wife and I are not investing everything we have. You say, what is that? Honey, do they have a dollar bond? (laughs) Billy, do they have a dollar bond in there? Well, me and my wife's going to put it all in one, one bucket. But my wife and I are investing in our church because I feel that our church is worthy Amen. of our support. Amen. Amen. Now, my wife will draw the return, and of course, we'll spread it out to where she's already said she wants it after I'm gone, so we'll put it up about 12 years so she'll draw the money after I'm gone the tightwad don't want to let me have any of it (laughs) but now please understand it is not to make or to upset or to criticize it's just the only way that I know that everybody wins and if I haven't proven that in the past 20 some years I apologize to you people sitting right here tonight has made more money off your investment in our church than any other investment you've made I'll bet you that if I was a betting man I'd bet that my wife and I has made more off the investments in our church than we have off all the others. In fact, I would like to strangle our financial advisor because he's a crook. He's a liar. He's fraudulent. Cost my wife and I about five, $6,000 because he lied to us. And you say, well, my financial advisor does it free. How does he eat? Well, he told me it was free. How does he eat? What does he drive? Where does he live? So, to help you a little bit tonight... Not to encourage you now at all in any area or as to or not to. That's strictly up to you. But I want to ask you over in the book of Genesis. And uh, I was just thinking today I was going to preach tonight another sermon. I was going to finish this morning's. And I just thought I'd throw this question to you. The question was asked to a man who should have known the answer. And uh, but in Genesis chapter eighteen, and I, I would just uh, it. Uh, and I'll get to the context. I'm not going to keep you long. Who won the ball game, Jim? Oh, you don't know. A&M. <laughs> hey, Jim. Do you think A&M won? if they did they cheated <laughs> can I re- look at this would you verse 14 of the book of genesis chapter 18 look at the question on the on the screen is anything too hard for the Lord. No, sir. Now I just. It does not mean that we do not face a lot of things with fear and trembling. Okay. Amen. For me to stand here and tell you that it does not. It does not concern me. As a 73 year old man. Going 2.4 million dollars in debt. And you say, well, preacher, you're going to die and run off and leave that debt. <laughs> Ain't that nice? <laughs> Not before I've taken care of it. Amen. Not before I've assured it. You have no idea, but all the time we've been paying this bill off to church. The church has been insured that if something happens to me, the total indebtedness was paid. One good thing about a leader, if somebody's kicking you in the rear end, you're still in front. You did get that, didn't you? My only question I ask tonight, is there anything... Too hard for the Lord. Now, Abraham should have known the answer to this question. He's called the father of the faith. I don't know if you know or not, but three times God appeared to Abraham. Three times, and for three different specific reasons, God appeared to Abram. If you'd like sometime, you turn to chapter twelve and you 'll find there that God appeared to Abram in chapter number twelve and in chapter number twelve, he appears to Abram for <coughs> excuse me <coughs> international golf. <coughs> But in chapter 12, now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from the kindred, from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And he said, I will make of thee a great nation. Wow. A great nation. And I will bless thee. And make the, thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. He appeared to Abraham this time to reveal his power to him. If you would please look down at verse 6. The Bible said, And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sechem and unto the place of Morim, and the Canaanites was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, "Unto thy seed will I give this land. Now, if you know anything about the the Canaanites, they are a warlike bunch of folk. Great soldiers, great armies, huge in stature. And God told Abraham the very first time, he said, Now, young man, uh, I'm going to make you a great nation, make you a great family, and I'm going to bless them and bless you and curse them and curse you. And I am going to give you this land. Oh, by the way, the Canaanites are there. Problems. It's not going to be a breeze. Might take some sacrifice on your part. But I'm going to be with you. And God appeared to Abraham to reveal his power. And God says, I know the Canaanites are in the land. I know they're a warlike uh, nation. But if I'm on your side, Abraham, it don't make any difference who's in the land. It don't make any difference what kind of armaments they got. It makes no difference how good of soldiers they are. I am going to give you the land. Amen. Can anybody say amen? Well, why did he have to appear to the joker again in verse in chapter 18 then? Maybe Abraham's kind of like us. When the water gets deep, we get kind of frightened. The closer it comes to taking our money and putting it in a church and it being secure. Maybe God needs to appear to Abram again. But the first time he appeared was to show him his power. I'll take care of this. I'll get all the nations out. He appeared to him again. And by the way, Abraham was 75 when he appeared this time. Then to the age of 97 or 98. He appeared to him again in chapter number 17. You want to look at that? And verse 1. In chapter 17 and verse 1. And when Abraham was 90 years old and nine. The Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. I wonder why He had to tell him that. Hebrew word for El Shaddadi means I am the God that is enough. He appeared to Abram the second time to show him his sufficiency. Well, preacher, I was going to invest, but boy, I tell you, you know, our church could go belly up. Not near as quick as this nation will, because we ain't far as dead as they are. If you're depending on FDIC to take care of your little deal, you might ask Mr. Obama how much he owes. (laughs) I wonder if he has the collateralization that we have. Uh, see, we're going to owe $2.7 million. And uh, this building alone is appraised at $5 million. We could sell everything down south and pay everything off up here. I wonder what Obama's going to sell to secure your FDIC stuff. He ain't got nothing left to sell but printing presses. <laughs> we having fun yet? Ain't God good Amen. to a man by the name of Abram, a heathen, an idolater. And God appears to him the first time and says, Abraham, I'm all you need. I'm all powerful. Don't make any difference who's in the land. I can take care of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Baptistites, all the otherites. I'll take care of them. I'm just going to give you the land. If Abraham had been a Baptist, he'd said, when? (laughs) Can I move in tomorrow? (laughs) By the way, all I need is just 50 foot by 50 foot to build me a house and a two-car garage. Hello, is anybody here? What if Abraham had said, I can't afford it? Would God have said, I'm paying the bill? Now, just listen to me. Don't get mad at me. Listen to me. My name is Al Shaddani. I'm all you need. I am the God that will provide. Well, then chapter 18 and verse 1. Can we read? He appeared unto Abraham again. When Abraham was 100 years old. Or so. Verse one, and the Lord appeared unto, unto him in the plains of memory. He sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. Boy, oh, I can get awful hot reading that verse. No air conditioning, no cruise control, no automatic dishwasher. The only thing that's automatic, she's still in the tent. And he lifted up his eyes and looked. And lo, three men stood by him. When he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And he said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away. I pray thee from thy servant, little in the water, I pray you. Be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Next time somebody comes over to your house, ask them if they need to wash their feet. And I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort you, comfort you your heart. So after that you have passed on, for therefore are you come to your servant. And they said, so do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened unto the tent unto Sarah. And said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd, fetched a calf, tender and good, gave it to the young man, and he hastened to dress it. And he took butter and milk. I wonder if that would be healthy. I wonder if that was 2%. I wonder if it's cold. Well, if it's goat's milk, I couldn't have drank it anyhow. Smells like a goat. <laughs> Took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. And they said unto him, <laughs> you are like this, where's Sarah, thy wife? And he said, behold, at Walmart... Oh, that's not today in the tent. I wonder today. No, let's not go there. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abram and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? I've done showed you that I'm all powerful, in verse chapter 12. And I appeared unto you a th- second time to show you that I'm all you need. Now, what's your wife doing giggling in the tent? Well, I'm. Uh, what are you doing, giggling about this bond program? Now, what do you? Your God died somewhere between 26 years ago and today. The one that's done all of this before you got here. The one that stacked all these bricks and paid the guy that stacked them. What are you doing, giggling? You think God can't do this? Just thought I'd pass that along to you, Jim. We've seen God do some great things, have we not? God did a miracle last week, brother Jim. You and Brian and your bus workers. I mean, God, God reached down and just dumped a bucket of honey on our lives last week. And how many people were involved and when Andrew stood and preached? And I don't know, but somebody told me there was 40-some people responded and made a profession of faith. What are you doing giggling? What are you doing trembling in the breeze, wondering if God... God said, Abraham, go in there and shut your wife up. Abraham, you go shut her up. <laughs> right? I mean, if Abraham said that to me, I'd say, I mean, if God said that to me, I said, Would you mind taking on that little ministry yourself, please? <laughs> uh, right? God did not call me to do that. Are you listening? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Haven't you taught her better than that, Abraham? Did you tell her about the first time I met with Abraham? Have you been sharing with your wife? These meetings that men you've been having, Abraham? What's Sarah doing giggling in there? Abraham, this ain't no giggling matter. This is serious. Shall I of a surety be a bare child when I'm old? And God said, is there anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Well... I read an answer. Can I give it to you? In just a few words. And it is written: I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom ye believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things. Which be not as though they were. This is Romans chapter 4 now. In verse 18. Now listen. Who against hope. Believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. Verse 19 of chapter 4. of The book of Romans. And being not weak in faith. He considered not his own body, now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God. I like that. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Amen. Are you listening tonight? Amen. Somebody came to Jesus in Matthew. He said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked at the young man who had wealth, who had fame, who had power, who had talent and gifts beyond all imagination. And Jesus says, well, what does it say in the law? And the young man began to quote the law. Thou shalt not, shalt not, shalt not, shalt not. And Jesus said, What do you think about that? And he said, Well, Lord, I've kept all of these laws, commandments from my youth up. Jesus said, You lack us one thing. And you ever remember what he said? One thing thou lackest. Go sell what you got and give it to the poor and follow him. The Bible said that the young man went away sorrowful because he had much wealth. And the disciples said, Then who can be saved? Jesus said, It's. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And for a rich man to go into the kingdom of heaven. Remember that? He was just reiterating that you cannot serve God in Mammon. For you will love the one, hate the other. You will love one, you will flee from the other. And the disciples, now they are absolutely hornswoggled. They said, well, who then can be saved? Can I read for you verse 26 of Matthew 19? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God. You got your Bible? But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. If it's of God, it will work. If it's not of God, I don't have anything to do with it. It's not of God, it needs to go under and let somebody buy it and sell hay out of it. Buildings are not something to be clung to. Wealth, prestige, and power is not something to be hung on to. It's about the Lord and Him getting glory. It's about ministry. It's not about magnificent buildings. It's about people. It's about little boys and girls that nobody in this world cares about. It's moms and dads who maybe are not as... Economically affluent as some churches would like to mess with, I want to mess with them. I want to minister to them. I want to teach them. I want them to learn biblical, financial stewardship principles that they might embrace them and God bless them so that they do not have to be on welfare or any other fare. Is that all right? It's not about buildings. It's about ministry. It's not about buildings. It's about People. It's about souls. It's about eternity. That's what it's about. It's not about 5, 6, 7, or 8% interest. It's about eternal life that God gives people who walk down these aisles and weep their way to a loving Savior. Amen. Amen. We need giggling in a tent, are you? Amen. You never whooped anybody backing up. God's people are not the kind of folk that back up and get wet feet and start shaking and say, Oh, I don't know what. I tell you what you can do. You get scared. Go join your church of your choice where they don't take any risk. Amen. Where they don't step out in faith. Where it don't take any, any pioneer spirit to get it done. Amen. Well, preacher, you're 73 years old. You ought to be satisfied. Not on your life. Not in Jesus' lifetime. And we're going to sit back and retire and pay everything off and sit on God's money like we're going to hatch it. Not in my lifetime or not in even God's lifetime. God don't need the money. Money is just an avenue by which we buy fuel and send missionaries and pay staff, and pay staff, and pay staff. And Jim says, keep paying staff, right Jim? Can anybody say amen? Amen. Let me share something with you. Boy, I tell you, isn't that pretty up there? Didn't you like the way old Josh did that choir this morning? Had the flag and everything. I tell you, I cried up, a bucket full of tears sitting up here on the platform. I'm going to whoop Josh later. <laughs> Question. Is that my hanky? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there any promise too big for God to keep? Is anything. Has God ever made a promise to you or me. That he could not fulfill. And my God. Shall. Amen. Supply. Amen. All of your needs. Amen. According. To his riches and glory. Amen. But I can do all things through Christ. Christ. Which strengtheneth me. The Bible says in Kings there is not one promise, not one slight of a promise that God has ever failed to keep. Not one. God is not a man that he should lie, the Bible says, but God will keep his promise. Has there ever been a promise God ever gave you that God backed out on? Boy, you better hope not because every time I look at you, you're getting closer to heaven. Every time you come to church, you're one day closer to the graveyard. Some of you folks are looking old. You better hope God keeps his promise. Amen? Amen. He promised us eternal life. He promised me a mansion. He promised me a new body. Hey, look, there's not one promise God ever made that he did not keep. He promised us protection. Now, I believe he'll take care of us. Hey, he's promised us his provision. I am a living proof of that. It's been 46 years since I've taken a paycheck from any man. When I got saved, God called me to preach. I walked in my own business and I said, Mr. Ross, I know we're partners, 50 50. It's all yours. I'm going to seminary. God's called me to preach. He said, Gene, you're crazy. I mean, we got 22 men working for us. There's no telling. I I didn't even have to tell you what what this was worth. I said, now, Mr. Ross, you get the bills as well as the assets. (laughs) He said, why, see? But I gave him my business. I sold my new cars and bought an old car. I sold my new house and bought me a smaller house and loaded four kids in an old 62 model Ford station wagon and for three years I drove from Farmer's Branch to Arlington, Texas every morning because God had called me to preach. God told me, said, Gene, I'll take care of you. He said, you'll not leave anything that I do not replace And he's kept his word. I read one time, they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And God has paid me regular all this way. God is not going to lie to us. You say, well, you're bragging. You got that right, Slick. I'm bragging on the provision of Almighty God. And see, the only thing, there's right about two or three of you that was here when all this took place. You, you'll never know how scared I was when I stepped out by faith and put my name on the line that we were going to start a church with failure almost guaranteed. Nobody want to come and hear me preach. Nobody would recommend me to preach. But I understood that nobody called me to preach but God. So we put up a sign and started preaching. And folks started coming. Isn't that something? They came to hear me preach. Isn't that something? that is absolutely a miracle they came to hear me preach and they kept coming and they kept coming and they kept coming and I'm a persuasion if we'll make room they'll keep coming because I'm going to keep preaching and when we get something full I'm going to build something else put them in And my God shall supply all of our need according to his riches and glory. No promise too big for God to keep. No prayer too big for God to answer. Are you glad of that? There's just no prayer Now, maybe sometimes we get so good that we don't need to pray. But if you read John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, uh, you start getting to that whatsoever you ask. Whatsoever you ask. Whatsoever you ask. I wonder if whatsoever to God is the same whatsoever to us. I wonder if when God says whatsoever, if it's the same whatsoever that we use. When my wife says to me, what do you want for dinner? I do not say whatsoever. Because included in whatsoever are casseroles. Liver. (laughs) Mary, I've always said there's something wrong with you. Now I know what it is, it's liver. Liver. Does any of the kids remember the liver song? <laughs> Jim, do you remember the liver song? You don't sing it? Go ahead and sing it for us, Jim. <laughs> Brian, do you remember the liver song? What's it go like, Brian? You remember the words? Ah. Uh-huh. Could you tell us what it did? Mom don't pay him next week if you don't tell us. <laughs> Liver makes me quiver, yeah. Curl up and die, die, yeah. These guys know the liver song. See, I I don't tell my wife whatsoever. But God says, look, if you like liver, I'll get it for you. Because God's a whatsoever gun. You read John 14 and 16. Whatsoever you ask. Whatsoever you ask. Whatsoever you desire that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Ask that your joy may be full. And whatsoever you ask in my name, the Father will do it. You say, preacher, we're going to get in trouble. We can't get too big of trouble at prayer. Can't take care of it. Quit complaining and start praying. You say, preacher, I'm just scared you're stepping out on a limb. Just praying, just pray that I don't step on one too weak that it might break. Because I'm always going to be on a limb. Because I'm out on a limb kind of guy. But that's why your church is here. Because you're falling out on a limb kind of guy. I always said I'd rather shoot at something and miss it. Amen. Shoot at something and hit it. I shoot at nothing and hit it. Amen. No promise too big for God to keep. No prayer too large, too big for God to answer. I I, got to close. No problem too hard for God to solve. You got a problem with me. The person you need to talk to is me. I am approachable. I am very patient. I am understanding. I will listen. It does not mean that I will be convinced. But I will treat you. (coughs) As my equal. Not as my superior. Or as my inferior. (laughs) I've always said nobody needs to leave our church if they'll walk into my office. Amen. We'll fix it. Amen. And if and if <clears throat> two Christians cannot settle grievances Who in the world can? I know how to say I'm sorry. But I also know how to say you are. (laughs) And I'm not past saying you're wrong. And not past taking the book and showing you you're wrong. But you show me I'm wrong. I'll be the first one to come to this place and apologize to you. If you notice something, I don't preach stuff I got to apologize for. See, when I was young in the ministry, it was wrong for women to wear pants. I mean, it was dead wrong. Because that's all I knew how to preach. Don't do this, don't do that, can't do this. My God, don't look like that. Don't have your hair that way. Your hair's got to be so long. Then I lost all my hair. And the guy who I was getting all my sermons from, he had one hair on his head, but it was two miles long. And he covered up his bald spot with one hair and wrapped it so many times around back here, it didn't look like he was bald headed. So I guess long hair depends geographically where it is located and the direction in which it is pointed. So I don't preach that junk. Okay? I don't preach if you've had a divorce that you're worthless to God and all we want is your money. And you can't do anything around here. I don't preach that stuff. I don't preach that junk. I don't I don't preach. Uh, you can't go to the movies. My God, you got one in the living room that's bigger than the screen where you go pay. Just buy popcorn. Pay the same price for it in your living room. Give mama a $500 profit on that popcorn you're eating. And quit going to movies and start watching them at home. So I guess I could preach that. But I'm not going to preach all that stuff. I'm just going to teach you the Bible. Amen. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit Amen. grow you. Amen. And let you make some decisions on your own. That way we don't raise a bunch of little puppets running around here, Amen. partner Amen. her in the same place, Amen. wearing the same kind of shoes. Amen. One reason when I was in evangelism I wore cowboy boots because all the fundamentalists in the world wore wingtip shoes. No problem. Too hard for God to solve. Does anybody believe that? Then when a problem arises and questions arise go to the source Find out the answer, pray, and let's get on with business at hand. And that's getting people saved, growing people in the Lord, encouraging one another, bonding as a family of God. When one suffer, all suffer. When one rejoice, all rejoice. On my way to church tonight, I went by and seen Miss Wanda Chapel. The family's now gathered. More than likely, Miss Wanda will go home to be with the Lord this evening or tomorrow one, maybe. And you say, well, preacher, she's in a coma and she she don't know you're there. But Paul knows I'm there. And Rick knows I'm there. And Tim knows I'm there. And Paul knows I'm there. And God knows I'm there. Amen. And that's about all it that counts. Right. Why'd you go by, lover? Amen. Why'd you go by? They're our family. Amen. With my God, no promise too huge to keep, no prayer too large for him to answer no problem too big for him to solve and no person too hard for God to save Amen. are you glad of that yes, sir. Amen. Paul said for I know in whom I believed and I'm persuaded that he is able To keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And Paul said, you're looking at the chief of sinners. When God saved Paul, Paul said he saved the sorriest and the worst. The meanest, the vilest. Thank God there's no sinner Too hard for God to say. No problem too large for God to solve. No prayer too difficult for God to answer. And no promise too hard for God to keep. Years ago, I read this, years, I'm talking about probably 40 years ago, New York Square, a communist had gathered a crowd around him and he was on a soapbox and he was preaching and extolling the virtues of communism. You've probably heard it. But I don't care. You're fixing to hear it again. Because I don't have. Another. Carrot. An egg. And coffee. Story. I, the only one I had this morning. But as the communist stood on his soapbox. Extolling the virtues of communism. He said if you will embrace Communism communism will put a suit a brand new suit on every man's back Christian in the back stood up and said yes if you'll embrace Christ you'll put a new man in every suit which is better 46 years ago I didn't wear a suit but he put a new man in a pair of Levi's Nobody, too difficult, too hard, too mean, too low down for God to save. Ain't God wonderful?